0: Okay, we are uh, about eight weeks into a series that we're doing on, on Jesus, really kind of diving into who He is. And I wonder um, if you had the opportunity to— maybe you've got some, some out-of-town family or some out-of-town guests who have never been to Whatcom County before, and if you have the opportunity to uh, take them on a tour, where would you go if you only had three hours to do that in? You've got all of Whatcom County. You've got three hours. They want to see what there is to see— what are you going to be doing in that three hours? Maybe somebody's going to go, okay, I'm going to actually take them to the water. We're going to go to Cherry Point. Then we're going to head on over to Marine Park and, 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 and uh, we're going to go down to, to Boulevard and just kind of see the, the water. Someone else might be going, okay, no, we, if I only got three hours, we are heading up to Mount Baker. And we're just going to like drink in the North Cascades and, and show them all the beauty. Maybe somebody else is going, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take them to all my favorite spots to eat. We're going to Anthony's for half an hour. Then we're going to head over to Deanna's. Then we're, then we're going to kind of wrap things up by some Lafines and some Edeline ice cream, you know, chihuahuas, all your favorite places to eat. Maybe somebody else is going, no, we're actually going to go to all the finest coffee shops. We're going to hit coffee shops and breweries and do all that, that kind of stuff together. Maybe somebody else is going, No, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to go to a place. I'm not going to go to a building or a a beach or a park. I'm actually going to take them to just see all my favorite people in Whatcom County. We're just going to knock on some doors. But what are you going to do? You got three hours. And one of the things that you realize very quickly, if you go, I only got three hours to give them a tour of Whatcom County, you realize very quickly that is not going to be enough time to give them even the— the faintest hint of what Whatcom County is like. It's so vast. It's so multifaceted. There's just so much to see here in Whatcom County. While doing a sermon series on Jesus is actually kind of the same idea. He is so vast. There is so much to Him that you could spend um, the whole time in a, in a, in a series you could, just talking about His love. And you would barely scratch the surface on his love. You could spend your time talking about his grace or his forgiveness or about how he just calms any storm that, that you might have in your life. You could talk about how he's so faithful, how he's so strong, anything. But you're, you're barely going to scratch the surface on who Jesus is. Um, the Apostle Paul actually wrote, uh, or the Apostle John, sorry, he wrote um, in his book about Jesus' life um, just how— you, you can see how keenly aware he is after being with Jesus for three years, just how one book is, is not going to be nearly enough space-time to recap the life of Jesus. In fact, he said these words. He said, Jesus did many other things as well. This is the very last verse in the book of John. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that could be written. And we're trying to keep this to a 12-week series. It's been a little bit of a, of a challenge. But I got to tell you, so what, I, what I've been really praying as we've gone into this series, more than anything, is, is that um, as a result of this time that we're really looking at Jesus' life, that you would, you would just discover, uh, uh, discover Jesus in a whole new way. And that as a result of that, you, you just wouldn't be satisfied simply walking away from our weekend experience just having some new information about Jesus but that you would be going okay I really want to know this Jesus more I really want to follow him more and I want to I want to spend time with him I want to dive into him and just just know who this this man really is and what his ways look like because you know at the end of the day um, everything that we do here on a Sunday morning in fact everything that we do as a church it is all about pointing people to Jesus. It is about really creating a platform, whether that be through uh, what we do on a Sunday morning, whether that be through a couple's night out, whether that be through a barbecue, whether that be through a women's retreat, a men's breakfast. It is all about creating a platform through which people will hopefully, eventually discover just the glorious beauty and wonder and majesty of, of Jesus and who he is because you know it's as you know him more that you're going to find your life being changed you know so often in church I think we we have this idea that that it's it's about coming here on a Sunday morning and maybe I'll I'll hear a good idea or he'll hear a good tip for a better life and then as I go out and implement that and try really hard to implement that change um I'll become a better person a more successful person whatever you might have But really, at the end of the day, change comes As we encounter Jesus Not just on a Sunday, but as we encounter Jesus in the daily Routines and the daily rhythms of our lives That's where change happens And uh, I love how Jesus Put it, he said in John 15 He said, if you remain in me And I in you What's going to happen? You will bear Much fruit So I just pray that you discover Jesus through this, whether you are Here as a Maybe you're a uh, an elementary age child, or you're a teenager, or you're someone who's been around church for for decades. I pray that you just discover Jesus and go, "Okay, I want to remain in Him." There's something about this guy that that I want to know, and maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. And I just I pray that something in this this time that we have will just will just jump out and and in your heart you're, you'll you'll hear His still small voice saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you go, okay, I want to follow Him. I want to follow Him. Um, it's very common, even for people who have grown up in the church, to have a misguided understanding of who Jesus is. And, and one of the areas where people both in and, and probably especially outside of the church get it wrong is in Jesus' willingness to speak the honest, sometimes difficult, brutal truth he's got no problem speaking the truth and uh we sometimes have this image of jesus though where he's just mr nice guy all he really cares about at the end of the day is just making everybody happy we kind of have this like sort of a mr rogers sort of idea of jesus that he's just uh he's just all about you know he's always just about quoting poetry about roses being red and he, he's kind of like a Zen master or a Buddhist monk or something like that. He's just—he's all about tolerance and just making sure that everybody is happy and everybody is getting along, and, and uh, he's just kind of another nice option along the way in the plethora of world religions. He's Mr. Tolerant, and we think that it, it doesn't really matter how we live our lives. It doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you feel good, feel com- comfortable, as long as you're happy, he's happy. And he's not going to say or do anything to rock the boat He's just going to kind of let you live your life However you want Because he's Mr. Tolerant He's just a, a nice guy um, A guy that I've quoted a lot in this series Philip Yancey He writes some just powerful stuff on Jesus But he, he once asked the question How would telling people to be nice to one another Get a man crucified? What government would execute Mr. Rogers Or Captain Kangaroo? Sobering question, isn't it? You and I live in a world where the number one rule is very quickly, if it hasn't already become the number one rule, is be nice to everyone, even if that means hiding the truth. Don't say something that will make someone uncomfortable. If the truth is going to hurt a little bit, just maybe keep that to yourself. Keep it on the down low. Whatever you do, don't say or do something that might offend somebody else. Um, This has led to what's become popular and uh, it's become known as cancel culture where it's just you don't if, if it could eventually offend someone then d- don't say that at all um actually get rid of it um and, and so much has been canceled <laughs> everything from mr uh potato head to kevin hart to justin timberlake i mean they're all getting canceled for saying or being labeled something that is potentially offensive and what's happening in this culture is that truth is actually being pushed Aside, in order to keep people comfortable. where and, and right and wrong are becoming these relative things where there's no such thing as the truth, there's only your truth. There's only what you, whatever you think is true, that's true. And as a result, people are getting caught up living lives that really in the end are, gonna, are not going to lead to life and life to the full. They're actually going to lead to devastation. And uh, some of you remember that, that old story, the, the Emperor's New Clothes? remember that story um it's in it's the tale of these these two swindlers who arrive at the capital city and they have been given the task of clothing this emperor who just loves to dress lavishly and just dress to the nines they've been given the task of of um making him some new clothes and so they pose as they actually pose as weavers they offer to um make him these magnificent clothes that will be invisible to those who are are Stupid or incompetent And so the emperor hires them And they set up the looms And they go to work And a, as they, they go to work In their, their little room there With their, their, their weave, weave uh, Contraptions I'm sure there's a name for those things But as they go to work weaving these new clothes um, People are stopping in To check on things And they, they see that the looms are actually Looms, that's the word The looms are, are actually empty <laughs> there's nothing on the, on them whatsoever, but because people don't want to look silly or, or, or foolish or stupid, they don't say anything. They just they just kind of congratulate the, the weavers on the, the job that they're doing. And and finally, the weavers report that the emperor's suit is finished. And they, they uh, you remember the, the story from the storybook, they actually kind of mime that they're putting the, the clothes, these invisible clothes on the emperor and get them all dressed up and, and everything. And and then he sets off this emperor on a procession before the whole city. And the townsfolk are all on the side looking at the emperor, aghast that he has no clothes on, but they do not want to say anything. They don't want to speak the truth that's going on in the situation because they don't want to be—just appear silly or, or out to lunch or offensive. They don't want to upset the king. And then finally, what happens? The child blurts out that the emperor is wearing no clothes. And he is parading down the street Buck naked in front of the entire city It's such a great story Such a great story (laughs) But you know when it comes to foolish thinking Destructive living, lies, deception Charades, pretense Whatever you want to call it Jesus is like the little child In the story of the emperor's new clothes He does not sit by And merely tolerate wrong Destructive living and thinking He calls it out because as we're going to see in this, this, this time together this morning, he calls it out because he loves us too much. He loves us too much to let us live our lives in a way that's actually going to bring devastation and destruction to our own lives. And today we're going to spend most of our time in Luke chapter 11. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, um, I'd love to have you come and follow along with me. We're going to be starting in Luke eleven thirty seven, 37. But in this this... This uh, story that we're going to read this morning, Jesus says some of the most offensive things that you've ever heard a religious teacher say. This story will tear down any ideas that you might have of Jesus just being nothing but a Mister Rogers type character. Um, We're going to see today that to Jesus nothing matters more than the truth. Nothing matters more to him than people walking and living in the truth. And and if he has to bring out the wrecking ball of offense. To expose the lies and the deception, he will will not hesitate to do so Because he loves us too much to be quiet And in this story we're going to read, Jesus has, he's just finished preaching And he's probably tired, he's probably a little hungry And so the Bible says that when he finished that talk A Pharisee asked him to dinner This is a very kind thing for this man to do um, as as uh, it's, it's true today, it was true back then To have somebody into your home is actually a tremendous honor To have someone step over that threshold into your like, your space It's always an honor But even more so back in this day Where it was just such a big deal, hospitality um, It was just a huge honor to have somebody in your home It was like you were saying to that person We are welcoming you, welcoming you in as family." And so Jesus is invited into this man's house But it's not just anybody's house This is a Pharisee And a Pharisee back in that day Was one of the, the top leaders A religious leader in that culture And uh, just a prominent, important person It would be the same thing As if you had been invited over To the mayor's house for dinner Or, or pick anyone well-known Or respected in this community Maybe your, your high school principal, Jake Locker But you've, you've been invited into somebody's house In our community who's very well-known very respected in fact in order to really capture what's going on here in this story with Jesus imagine that you're not just invited into the home of a prominent leader in our community but as you're invited into that home you get there and you notice that every prominent leader in our city is is there so it's it's not just just the mayor it's it's all the the council it's it's not just a, a, a principal, it's all the principals and the school district staff. I mean, it's, it's not just one pastor, it's all. I mean, there's lots of leaders here at this, this, this meeting police chief, fire chief, they're, they're all there. And, and you're the guest of honor. So you got that picture? You got that picture in your head? Now, for most people in that situation, they're going to be pretty intimidated walking into that room as the guest of honor. Probably a little nervous. Um, You wouldn't want to speak out. You wouldn't want to say anything wrong. Uh, You try as hard as possible to avoid any kind of embarrassing social faux pas. You're you're gonna give everyone a nice firm handshake. You're gonna give everybody a warm smile. You're gonna graciously uh, just say hi to to everybody. You know, at dinner time, you're gonna keep your elbows off the table. If I'm in that situation, I am gonna be constantly trying to remind myself: rich, small bites only. Because I get in a situation, and if I'm nervous at all, I just I look like a chipmunk. I just start cramming food into my house, my mouth, and it it, it looks it looks really uh, bad. And Jesus, though, here he is, he's been invited for dinner to a prominent leader's house, and all the prominent leaders of that <laughs> community are present. And then the Bible says, it says, He entered his house the house of the pharisee and jesus sat right down at the table and as he does this small gasps begin to kind of ripple through the room kind of like when the pastor starts using inappropriate language from the stage and doesn't know it (laughs) go back two weeks listen to the sermon if you're wondering what i'm talking about um apparently some words in america mean different than what they mean in canada but um he sits down in small gap room jesus has just done something that he is not supposed to do and what has been his big mistake well the bible says the pharisee was shocked and somewhat offended when he saw that jesus didn't wash up before the meal jesus did not go over to the, the the wash basin and Grabbed some water and whatever They used back in those days to clean his Hands he just went and sat down I know what you're Thinking really that's it like the Pharisee was shocked and offended that Jesus Did not wash up before the meal What what is that all about I haven't washed My hands before dinner in years Like (laughs) no hopefully you're not in that place But you're going what's the big deal Well to the Pharisees it was actually A very big deal when Someone didn't wash up before the meal It had been it had been a part of their Culture and custom for centuries. So this isn't like just one pharisee, this was his culture and his custom. No, this was the culture and custom of the whole group of Pharisees that group of religious leaders for centuries that had actually not just been what they did, but it had kind of infiltrated infiltrated out to the rest of the culture. You used to not show up to somebody's house, let alone a prominent leader's house without first washing up. And so surely when Jesus realizes what he's done And he, he hears the gasps around the room He goes, oh, I forgot to wash my hands And he, he's going to surely scramble over to the wash basin And give his hands a quick wash And then head, head back to his seat so he doesn't offend anybody Surely he's going to do that, right? No He's, he's, he's going to actually let loose And say some things that If any of us had been that Pharisee We would have been deeply offended The Bible goes on to say, But the master said to him, I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun, but I also know your insides are megaty with greed and secret evil. Stupid Pharisees. Didn't the one who made the outside also make the inside? Other translations have foolish Pharisees. Turn both your pockets and your hearts inside out and give generously to the poor, then your lives will be clean. Not just your dishes and your hands. Ouch. You know, if, if you're one of the disciples in that room, you're like cringing in that moment. Like, what is Jesus doing? And if you've ever maybe wondered, you know, we're kind of approaching Passion Week here, Holy Week, where we just remember the cross and, and everything that Jesus did for us. And if you ever wonder as we're heading in, okay, why, why did they want to kill Jesus? Now you have your answer. He he was not about just making everybody happy and comfortable. He was about he was about truth. And here in this moment he offended them. He offended their customs, he offended their culture, he offended their leadership, he offended their lifestyle, he offended their hospitality. You know, you could never accuse Jesus of not being a straight shooter. He was a straight shooter. He doesn't pull any punches. You know, this is one of those classic examples where someone on the side is going, okay, Jesus, tell us what you really think here, right? You know, He spoke the truth, and it didn't always feel, feel good. He always spoke the truth, always. On another occasion, um, we, we could read example after example after example this morning of where He spoke a truth, He spoke into a situation, and it made people uncomfortable. Another time, a religious scholar is, is having a hard time grasping what Jesus is teaching, and what does Jesus say to this man? He says, you're a respected teacher of Israel, and you don't know these basics? Another time, his disciples are getting ready to go out on their first big mission. Look at this as the disciples' first big assignment in life. It's like you've got—you're a a parent, and you were just, like, getting ready to send your kid off to college. And and it's it's like that first big moment. Surely he's got this incredible, like, feel-good. You got this. You can make it pep talk for them. No, listen to what he— He says, he's got some lovely, inspiring words. He says, beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, (laughs) did he have to throw that in there? Like couldn't he have said, you know, you might be arrested maybe? No, he says, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. And his disciples have to be thinking, you know, Jesus, save, save that part of the speech because we're already nervous and a little scared about what you're, you're calling us to do. And then there's, there's the infamous Last Supper. Jesus is there with all of his disciples and, and he, he's let the cat out of the bag. Somebody there is about to betray him. And, and Judas comes up and looks at him in front of everybody and says, surely not I, Rabbi. And, and if, you know, if I'm in Jesus' shoes at that moment, you know, one of the, the, the guys is asking me, I'm probably going to say, hey, Judas, let's go for a little walk. Let's kind of chat this through a little bit. You know, let's, let's talk about where you're at, where, where you've been. Let's talk about where you're going. Let's, let's talk about some of the decisions that you're making in life, and let's just unpack some things. Not Jesus. He basically said, yep, it's you. And then Judas goes scurrying off to do his thing. And these are some, let's just be honest this morning. These are some startling passages of Scripture that might leave you thinking, what is going on here? This is not the tolerant, nice, unoffensive Mr. Rogers Jesus that I've I've heard about. This Jesus is in your face. This Jesus does not pull any punches. In fact, He doesn't seem to be that loving. But here's the truth. I love what, what author John Eldridge points out in this book that he wrote called Beautiful Outlaw. He says, of these, these kind of situations where Jesus just does some alarming things. He says, we have to remember that whenever you are watching Jesus, you are watching love, always. So you might hear some of this, just this, like, the way he drops these, like, truth bombs, and, and you might be looking at that through a, a skewed perspective of maybe your own experience and how things have been for you and and, and maybe how someone just said some things to you and, and didn't do that in love they did it actually in anger and they, and and you're looking through that perspective but you you with jesus when, whenever he does anything he does it in love because that's who he is god is love and so when he comes along and he calls these pharisees you know th- another occasion he calls them hypocrites You're watching love when He warns His disciples all about the persecution that they're going to face in prison and beware because it's like you're going out like sheep among wolves. You're actually watching love in action. When He rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, saying, you are watching love. You see, with Jesus, He did not come to play religious games. He didn't. He came to set captives free. He came to break us free out of our worldly stupor, our worldly mindset that keeps us captive, that keeps us walking in brokenness, that keeps us on that road to destruction. And although it might make us uncomfortable, sometimes the uncomfortable truth is exactly what we need to get on the path of life. Sometimes that's what we we need. You know, can you imagine if you went to the doctors to see what's been bothering you and, and you find out that you've got You've got some kind of serious sickness that if you don't address it right now, you're, you're, you're going to be in a really bad spot, in fact, you won't live. Can you imagine you do that and you go in there and the doctor just decides, you know what that's going to be a, That's going to upset them. That's going to be hard for them to hear. So I'm just going to keep that to myself. That would not be loving at all, would it? Or what if you you as a parent, you've got a child, Who is about to run out into the the road A busy highway, busy road And you see all this happening And everything in you wants to yell And and tell them not to But you go, no If I yell too loud It might startle them It might make them uncomfortable It might scare them I'm just going to keep quiet You would never do that You'd be crazy if you did You go, I'm going to actually yell As loud as I can And tell them to stop So they don't run into that highway And get really, really hurt And what Jesus does time and time again Is he sees someone destroying their lives And rather than stay silent He speaks out And and, and listen, the more captive the person is in their sin The more captive the person is in their religious stupor The more in your face the language he's going to use To wake us up And so to the woman Who's been caught in adultery and she's just broken. And she's in this place where she's on—the the, the, the people are getting ready to stone her. Jesus comes along, and he just shows her incredible grace, incredible kindness. He, he has a gentle, a gentle, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. But then to the religious leaders who are hardened, I mean they're hardened in their sin and they're hardened in their pride and they've been hardened for not just years but for decades and centuries and jesus who is who is god in the flesh god who is love he sees this and it's like he grabs a bullhorn and and he says you fools you're whitewashed tombs and you don't even know it you don't even know it you know we tend to to not be like Jesus when it comes to speaking the truth right you know we tend to just kind of beat around the bush and by the time we finally get to what it is that we really feel like that person needs to hear um we've just been beating around the bush so long that when we finally say it or or don't say it or we brush off all the edges or whatever they're left wondering what it is we're really trying to say at all or maybe we take the social media and and, and and like that 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 middle school or high school, we, we break up rather than face to face, it's just so much easier to do it over text, right? Text is so much easier. Or or worst of all, we just don't say anything at all. We see someone that we we love and we care about and we, we just see how they are ruining their lives and we go, No, if I just speak up, it's gonna be it's gonna be too hard hard on them. It'll upset them. And so we take the easy way out, which In the end is actually the unloving way out And and why do we take the easy way out? Well, it's actually really simple It's because being honest and truthful It comes with a cost It comes with a cost, doesn't it? We read in in the gospels how John the Baptist He spoke the truth to Herod One of the, like the, 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 the king of that area He spoke the truth And what did it cost him? It cost him his head and Jesus, what did it cost him? It, it ended up costing him his life. He died on a cross. It takes incredible courage to be honest and truthful with people to risk offending them for the sake of truth. Now, I just got to pop this in here this morning. There is a world of difference between being offensive and saying something that might offend somebody. There's a world of difference between being offensive and and saying something that might offend somebody Jesus wasn't offensive He didn't just go around Running his mouth off Because he was angry and mad And he had nothing better to do with his time And he just loved coming along And just telling people how it is And No, that wasn't him at all There's a difference between being offensive And saying something that might offend And Jesus did offend In fact, the Bible even calls him A stone of stumbling And a rock of what? A rock of offense. He sees us heading down that path that is going to end in hurt, and it's going to end in captivity, and He steps in to lead us off that path. Other times He steps in and He simply knocks us off that path. And I'm sure some of us here this morning, if we were to look back on our journey and just how how we were lost in sin, and maybe you were going down a road, and it, it was leading to the devastation, destruction, your lifestyle was just the, the choices that you're making the, the, the way that you were living It was just it, it was killing you And somehow God stepped in He came along And, and, and he led you back onto the path That leads to life you know, there's, there's an old adage that says When it comes to Jesus He comforts the afflicted And he afflicts the comfortable He comforts the afflicted And he afflicts the comfortable He, he offends with the truth If it's going to be what takes, if it's going to be what takes, is required to get us back on the path that leads to life. And and what motivates him to do this is that he loves us and he cares too much to be passive and to do nothing. He knows that our sin and our destructive habits, these things that we do that keep us from living the life that he called us to live, that keep us from fulfilling our purpose, Uh, he knows that it will hurt us. And because he loves us, he acts. He speaks not because he's mean, not because he's irritated. It's because he's a God of compassion. He wants us to experience life and wholeness and freedom and healing and blessing. So he speaks out and he breaks the because, silence because he loves. It's really fascinating to, to read through the scripture and to actually see how many of these Pharisees that Jesus just called out. There's a lot of them that actually ended up following jesus and laying down their lives to follow to follow him you know there's, there's nicodemus and the transformation that that he had people who there, there's paul and the radical transformation that paul had because jesus comes along and he speaks the truth in love I come in you know one of the ways that he speaks the truth the most is through us Listen to what, what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4 is, is this this book is just this well-known verse about the church and this chapter about the church. And, and it's this chapter about how the church builds itself up and becomes more and more like Jesus. And and uh, and how we as a church family, we have one another um, not just to celebrate life with, not just to, to, to grow together with, but we have one another to actually. Be there for us to be there for each other, and and if you see a a a person who's part of the family who's going down a wrong path that's doing something that's going to cause devastation, you got people in your life who are hopefully there to help you see that, to help you see that. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, he says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth. And here's the the key two words we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. No longer immature, no longer living life our own way, but God's way, no longer taking the path that leads to destruction. But instead we're, we're walking the, the narrow road that leads to life No longer blown here and there by every teaching Every new, every new idea, every new philosophy Every new ideology that comes along No, we will we'll be anchored instead in Jesus And anchored in the authority of God's word And what's the big way that this happens? When you and I are like Jesus And we speak the truth in love We don't just speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. It's been said that truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Because how can you truly love someone if you hide the truth from them? If like the people in the emperor's kingdom, you choose to go, I see what's going on here, but I don't want to be that guy who speaks up. I'm just going to blend in with everybody else And pretend I don't see what I see That's not love And what, what Christ calls us to do Is to, to, to first of all to be like Him To be like Him And to be people who have the courage enough To speak the truth in love And I don't know what the situation is in your life That maybe you see a, a close friend uh, you know you 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 have to have the relational equity to be able to go to someone and 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 obviously speak the truth in love but maybe you see someone who's a close friend and you just see how they're living their lives in a way that's destructive and and you just have felt like I need to just say something but you you haven't you just have kept quiet maybe you're here in the room this morning and you're you're a parent and you see your kids that just keep going down this path that is you just know where it's going to lead Because you've been down that path yourself But it's it's difficult to, to even know how to come into that situation And speak the truth But maybe God this morning is saying You need to speak the truth in love Let your child hear how much you love And care for them And then in that, speak the truth Maybe for someone else It's a, a work situation Maybe maybe you're in a small group in our church A discipleship group And you've got some friends And you just see someone who's going down a bad path But you just don't want to speak the truth in love Maybe it's a marriage There's a marriage And and your spouse is just doing things And starting to get into some habits That you know is not going to be good for your marriage It's going to end in devastation But it's just so much easier to be quiet in that situation, isn't it? And what? God is calling you And what God's calling us to do today Is to be people Who speak the truth You know where is truth and love required Really everywhere It's required in our homes It's required in our schools It's required in our workplaces It's required in our group of of, of friends It's required in our culture And each one of these situations Requires obviously a, 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 a there's, there's a A tailored designed, Holy Spirit designed way where you speak the truth in love and, and I just encourage you if God is speaking this morning about this situation where where you've just been silent and God is saying it's, it's time to speak up, go to Him make sure that, that He's leading you and He's guiding you in that and maybe uh, you, you don't know how to handle that situation that's that's a situation where God gives you friends and gives you the church a church family to help you know how to handle that I can't tell you how many times where I've had a situation where I feel like God is saying, "Rich, you got to say something here." And and that's all I get. Handle that situation. Maybe it's with my kids. Maybe it's with with somebody in our church. And I'll go to a trusted friend, a trusted counselor and say, "Hey, I don't know how to handle this situation. What what what's what's some counsel that you can give me?" You'll you'll find yourself in those situations, but Let's be people of truth Let's be people that That don't just care about truth That don't just live out the truth But let's be people that love enough People who Like Colossians talks about We're clothed in humility We're clothed in love We're clothed in the compassion of Christ To the point where we go Okay, I'm, I, I, I don't want to See somebody going down a path That's going to lead to devastation If it's, if it's necessary, I'm going to step in and be like Jesus Let's be people that that love the truth And love people enough To speak the truth in love Would you pray with me this morning Heavenly Father God I thank you for your word Jesus I thank you for the example That you set for us And God I feel like On this topic this morning there's just There's so much more that we could say There's so much more we could say About how to wisely speak the truth And what situations to speak out in what kind of situations that probably are best to actually stay silent in god there's so much nuance to speaking the truth in love and and, in each situation so god i'm just going to ask that your holy spirit would lead us god for that person in the room today or that person watching online who as as god i've been sharing this morning there's just different situations that are popping to mind where they've been quiet god they know That person is living in a a lie God, they've wanted to say something They felt like your spirit is leading them to say something But they just haven't spoken up Maybe because they don't know what to say God, I don't know the reason But God, I just want to pray That Jesus, your Holy Spirit would lead them Lead them God, give them the courage Give them the strength Give them the wisdom to to, to speak, speak up And to say what needs to be said God, in that situation And Father, I I pray, Lord, also for us as a church. And God, we are, God, it's no secret that we're living in a world, in a culture that is is very, very quickly moving away from the truth of your word. Very quickly moving into a a, a place where truth is completely relative. It's it's completely left up to whatever you think truth should or shouldn't be. And so, Lord, I want to pray for us as a church that, God, you would give us wisdom, that, God, you give us your help, God, in being people of truth, God, here in this, this culture that we find ourselves in, God, here in this cultural moment, God, that we live in. God, help us to be people of truth. God, I think of the students, God, that are here in this room, God, who, God, walk the halls of their schools, God, each day and hear things and see things. And, and and God, the the truth of your word is just left in the dust as the the worldly way is just what's propped up. God, I pray that Jesus, you'd give them your confidence. God, I pray that you give them your wisdom. And more than anything, God, I pray that, that you'd give them such a love, God, for their fellow students, classmates, that, that God, they would just, when the time is right, God, the moment is right that they would they would have the courage to, to speak. It to to stand firm on, on your word, to stand firm on, on truth. And so help us, I pray. Help us, I pray, Jesus, to be people that, like you, we, we speak the truth in love. God, so that we can grow in every way more and more like you. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.